Today, we spend a few more moments talking about postmodernism. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Thank you for listening to Preach Impediments, made possible by Eden Hollow. Check out what's being written and made available by going to EdenHollow.com. If you stayed tuned, at the end of the episode, we have a special offering for you that you'll want to hear about, so make sure you listen to the end of today's episode. Let's jump right in. Hopefully by now you've had a chance to listen to the conversation I had with Shane Scott the other day. We talked about postmodernism, but we also talked about pre-modernism and modernism as systems of thought and basically just ways of categorizing and understanding the way we as a society think about things like truth. We summed it up this way. Pre-modernism is the idea that truth is revealed. Modernism is the idea that truth is reasoned. And postmodernism is the idea that truth is relative. And all three of those have not just played primary ways that humans have thought, but also these different ideas present themselves in our lifetimes, in different situations, in the ways that we handle truth. As a whole, though, the accusation and the general consensus is that our entire society has turned against truth. There's this feeling, or maybe even outright admission, that our society does not have a concern for truth, does not have a concern for what is right versus what is wrong, will deny that there's even a standard of right and wrong, and will even take things that we have objectively considered true for centuries, like gender identification, and has basically thrown all of that out of the window and said, we are redefining everything. But the way we redefine things isn't actually a definition because there can be no truth. How do you face that? How do you really stand up against a world who rejects that there is right and wrong, truth versus falsehood? How do you even function in that kind of world? Well, as we pointed out the other day, this is not a new battle. Even from the beginning of time, there has been the questioning of truth by individuals, and there have been multiple times through history, according to the Bible, that whole societies or even the whole world has rejected the truth. You don't have to look far in the Bible. You get to Genesis chapter 6, and there is the story of the people of Noah's day, and it says that the people had turned against God and every thought was continually on evil, in Genesis 6, verse 5. Well, if the whole of society, or the whole of the human race, in this case, will not listen to God for answers, but has decided to go their own way, how is there going to be any standard of truth? Judges chapter 17, verse 6, and several other times at the end of the book of Judges, 
says that the people did anything they thought was right, meaning they came up with their own truth. They came up with their own standard. They decided for themselves what they believed was right, and they weren't listening to anybody else. How many times through Israel's history do you have an entire nation that turns against God and turns against the law of God? And we even find on several occasions where they had lost the law of God. They were so unfamiliar with God's truth that they couldn't even find where God's law had been written down. And when you get to the New Testament, again, you have this battle against truth. The Pharisees themselves had created not an aversion for truth, but their own version of truth. They had basically decided that their traditions and their ideas of how the law should be interpreted was as important as the law itself. You know, our acceptance, our unacceptance of truth is an age-old problem. It is a problem that has been around since, well, since we have. Postmodernism is merely the latest explanation as to why our truth is better than the truth. And I'll tell you, it reveals a lot about who we are as a people. And it reveals a lot about just how far we have gone away from the truth of God. You see, the problem with this is that any truth we create is based on our failed ability to do several things that are important for someone who is setting a standard of truth. For instance, how can we know what is right and wrong or what is true or false without first being able to explain the world? This is where modernism comes into this discussion. As we reasoned our way and experimented our way through the reality that we lived in, we started to believe, probably quite arrogantly, that we had all the keys to understanding the world. And so the more we knew about the world we lived in, the more we arrogantly believed we could explain and set the standard of truth. But the more we've done that, the more we have realized how little we actually know about our world. Certainly, we know more than we used to. And our modern technology and our modern medical advances have proven that to be true. I was watching just today an explanation as to where the barber pole comes from. And anybody who has done any study of that knows that barbers used to be the assistants to surgeon. And they used to be involved in a process called bloodletting. That process involved cutting a vein and draining blood from the body so that the old blood would be out and new blood could replace it. And that was the best medical science we had during those days. Well, now we realize just how foolish that is. And so we better understand our world, but the more we've learned about our world, the more questions we've come up with. For instance, back when we used to do bloodletting, we didn't really know about coagulation and the proteins involved in that and all the DNA structures and the RNA and everything involved from a, a microscopic level as to how blood worked. And the more we've learned about blood and cells and nucleuses and, and DNA and all of the other pieces that we have, we realize there is so much we don't know about our world. And I tell you, the more we learn about it, 
the more questions that are going to arise because that's kind of how this world works. So if we can't even explain our world and understand it well, then how can we understand what is true versus what is false? If we can't understand the future, which we can't, we have no idea what tomorrow holds for us individually, for us as a society, or for us as a world. Our world might cease to exist tomorrow, or we might have thousands of years ahead of us. We just don't know what the future has in store for each of us. So if we can't understand the future, how can we understand truth? We can't even understand the past. The past has already happened, but we only have bits and pieces of those stories. We only know what's been written down. And we've found through the centuries, as we've looked at the things that were written down, that oftentimes what's written down is incorrect. And so we only have a limited amount of understanding as to what the past holds for us. So if we can't understand the past, we can't understand the future. How can we be wise enough to proclaim what is true versus what is false? We can't understand people. We don't understand society. We don't understand why people act the way they do, why they make the decisions they make why people do what we disagree with, and why they sometimes do what we want them to do. We don't even understand ourselves. We don't have even the most basic understanding about the most basic issues of life, and yet we want to claim that we are wise enough, smart enough, or have enough information in order to create systems of what is true versus what is false. The truth is, the systems we make are often based on half ideas and falsehoods. And so, if we set out to fabricate and make a a truth about our world or an understanding of what is right versus what is wrong, well, then we're going to do a very poor job on it. Well, the other option is to just deny all truth, to deny all standards of right and wrong or morality versus immorality or truth versus falsehood. We just exist without any acknowledgement or without any standard against which we compare our lives. But the problem with that is that it's not really even possible. We all believe something. We have to. It is part of what makes us live. Believing in something is what allows me to go to the doctor when I feel sick. Because I believe something's wrong because my experience in being sick is different than my experience in being well. And I believe that I can get to the doctor without making myself worse in some sort of car crash. Or I believe that the doctor that I'm going to see is going to be trained and knowledgeable enough in order to give me medicine that I believe in that is going to help me be better. And so all of those truths are necessary among thousands of others to even let me function on a daily basis. We live based on the beliefs we have and we don't function without them. Or else, how do we get better when we get sick? Or when we see an injustice in our world, how do we respond to it? If there is no right and wrong, is there really any such thing as justice or injustice? Because justice and injustice is based off of our understanding of whether someone has been treated rightly or wrongly. 
If we're presented with something we want, how do we achieve it or get it? Well, if there's no standard of right and wrong, then I just go take from my neighbor what I want. Or I just go cheat my way to some sort of achievement. And that's what some people do. But we all recognize that that's wrong to do that. Well, why? Well, because we have a belief system. And when we're faced with the difficulty of a relationship that we experience, how do we respond to that? If I don't like what my spouse does, do I go treat her harshly? Or do I treat her well and manipulate her in some way to get what I want? Or is there some better reason for me to treat my spouse the way I want to treat them? The truth is, all of these decisions are made based on a standard. And so I can't truly live with the understanding that truth is relative because if truth is relative, then there is no right answer in any of these questions, which also means there's no wrong answer to any of these questions. So if I see injustice, I can go produce more injustice. Who's to tell me that I shouldn't? Or if I see something I want, I can go take it. Who's to tell me that I shouldn't? The truth is, we all know there is right and wrong. Jeremiah chapter 17, starting in verse 9, says, This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the person who trusts in mankind. He makes human flesh his strength, and his heart turns away from the Lord. You will be like a juniper in the Arabah. He cannot see when good comes, but dwells in the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land where no one lives. The person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is is indeed in the Lord, is blessed. He will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its root out toward a stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes, and its foliage remains green. It will not worry in the year of drought or cease producing fruit. Notice here, there's two different kinds of people. There's the one who trust in mankind. We make our own flesh, our own ability to think, our own reasoning, our own desire for truth to be relative, our truth. And when that's the way we act, we're going to be a weak bush in the desert who has no strength and has no way of really being sustained. Or we can be the person who trusts in the Lord, that the Lord is right, that his standards is indeed worth following and worth pursuing. If that's what we do, then we have strength, we have sustenance, we have the ability to grow stronger. Well, all summed up in verse 9, which says, The heart is more deceitful than anything else, and incurable. Who can understand it? Do you see that? When we set about with our own hearts to decide what is true, instead of looking to some objective outside source that can declare to us with confidence what is true, well, then we're going to make some poor decisions indeed. I absolutely hope you will see the the foolishness of postmodernism, which declares that truth is relative, or Maybe even the foolishness of modernism, which says that it's within man to decide truth. It's in man to discover truth. Well, the only answer is to turn to the Lord. He's the one with truth. 
And it goes on in Jeremiah 17 to reveal why. We're told, I, the Lord, examine the mind, I test the heart, I give to each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. There we learn that God is the answer because he's the one who knows. Verse 13 says, Lord, the hope of Israel, all who abandon you will be put to shame. All who turn away from me will be written in the dirt, for they've abandoned the Lord, the fountain of living water. Here we're shown that God is the source of hope. Verse 14, heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me and I will be saved, for you are my praise. Here we learn that God is the God who heals and saves. You know, the reason we have to look to God for our answer, the reason we have to look to God for our source of truth is because we are so limited as people. We don't know what is right and wrong. We have no ability to really establish hope for our future because we know nothing about the future. We don't have the ability to heal ourselves. All we have the ability to do is react to the sicknesses or or the difficulties of life. But God does know, and God does know the future, and God does give hope, and God does give us healing and salvation. You see, the truth is, no matter what our question, our decision, our need, our struggle, whatever it is that we are fighting against, He is our hope. He is the answer. And He is the only one we can turn to. So, people might want to debate which one's right. Pre-modernism, which teaches that truth is revealed. Or modernism, which teaches that truth is, is reasoned. Or postmodernism, which teaches that truth is relative. Well, as we said the other day, each one of these contributes some to the answer. But the truth is that none of them actually hold the answer because they imply that we have the right to choose. And we don't. Truth exists. Truth is right because God declares it right. And truth has to exist despite what we want to say is true or false. Truth, because of what it is, exists. Because if there's no standard, then we have no hope and we have no future. Let me encourage you, if you are a Christian, to quit trusting in your own ability and just start trusting in God. God reveals the truth. All we got to do is open up these pages and dig in. He is the one who gives hope. He is the one who heals us and saves us. And so I hope it is to him you will turn for answers. Thanks again for listening to Preach Impediments. And I hope our discussion on postmodernism has been helpful to you, has helped you to see the value of God's word and the value of turning to it for our answers. It really is the only source of hope and truth. You would give us great compliment if you would share this episode or any of our other episodes that has been helpful to you with others. We try to make that easy for you. Just share it on Facebook. Or if you're not on Facebook, go to preachimpediments.com and you're welcome to click on any of the links there and share it with other people. We want to get the word of God out into the hands of people. We also would love to hear back your comments. If we can help you in some way, pray for you, or even answer questions for you, let us know. You can find out ways to contact us over at preachimpediments.com. Or again, look up Preach Impediments on Facebook, and you'll be able to contact us there. Don't forget to stay tuned for later episodes coming next week. 
And we ask that you will stay tuned for our special announcement. Until next time. At Eden Hollow, we want to give you a greater chance to dig deeper into these words discussed each week on the podcast. We have created a downloadable, printable guide for you to use as you listen to each topic discussed on Preach Impediments. It is a set of guided worksheets you can use as you listen each week. These can be used as a Bible study curriculum, or we are even using them as a Bible study curriculum for our kids. When you go to PreachImpediments.com, just click on the subscribe to our newsletter button at the top right of the page, and we will attach it in our next newsletter coming out soon. We hope this will help you learn even more from God through his word. Thanks again for listening.